0: podcast from Cumberland Lodge. Today we will be speaking to the novelist and former psychoanalyst Sally Vickers, who has been a trustee of Cumberland Lodge since 2009. Welcome
1: Sally. Hello.
0: What do you think are the particular challenges facing young people in society today?
1: I think one particular challenge is the enormous stress on so-called academic achievement I think the level of testing that is now applied to very young children, even starting as early as as year one or even reception, um, and the concomitant challenge to teachers in executing those tests is creating an atmosphere of anxiety which is not at all propitious for, for children's learning abilities. So that's something I'm particularly concerned with. I think success of a rather superficial kind has overtaken a real interest in encouraging people to learn and develop in their own way um, and to enjoy learning.
0: Hmm. And what, what role do you think that education has to play in, in promoting uh, peaceful, tolerant and inclusive societies?
1: Well, I think very much carrying on from what I've just said that if people, if young people are put at a, from the age of four or five under those kind of pressures, um, which continue right through their um, primary school and into their secondary school and then into their post-school education, um, I think it creates the kind of competitive, stressful, striving social attitudes which are very antipathetic to um, encouraging reflective thought and encouraging the kind of interest in community that is necessary for peaceful societies I mean I come from a socialist background so perhaps I'm bound to think this but I do think capitalism has run mad and until we re-evaluate what matters in education um, we are just going to produce citizens who are constantly stressed and constantly seeking to rise to a level of expectation which is really impossible and not terribly good for the welfare of the planet as a whole.
0: Mm. And do you think our education system places enough emphasis on helping young people to think critically about sort of wider social and ethical issues?
1: I I don't I mean I do know there are other classes in citizenship and I think that's a very good thing Um, but you see once again these classes are not part of the perpetual struggle for grades um, um, improvement they are very much in a sort of backseat by water part of education Mm -hmm. I I think from a very young age Children are interested in each other. Um, I think they are interested in difference and something seems to happen along the way whereby difference becomes a matter for tribal um, separation rather than a matter for exchange and and generative um, Mm. cooperation. So yes, I would certainly try to think carefully and deeply about how... The whole business of being a citizen in the world can start from, from, from very young.
0: Mm. I mean, how do you think schools could, could bring that out in, in their pupils?
1: By removing this, this insane insistence on passing tests all the time.
0: Mm. Um, do you think that mistrust and prejudice occurs when there's too little opportunity for people from different walks of life to get together, um, to meet and to talk?
1: I do. I won a scholarship to a, a very important, successful girls' public school from a state school. Um, and there was, it was a big moment in my family because both my parents were socialists. My father didn't want me to accept the scholarship because he felt mm. it was putting me into a society where I was separated from the kind of people whose lives he was always interested in improving and bettering. This was at the age when there were grammar schools. I mean, my closest friends boys and girls from my state primary school went on to grammar schools but some went to secondary modern schools because they failed the 11 plus I mean one very bright girl I remember failed the 11 plus because she was very ill in her last year at school um, and was a good friend of mine Um, in fact I did go to the um, posh public school on the state scholarship I remember always feeling different Mm. Um, I think the fact that I had been to a state primary school, remained friends with many of my friends from that primary school and made friends at this rather grand public school, inevitably helped me move more easily between different social classes, as we might call it. But yes, I mean, I think it's absolutely frightful the way in which nowadays, families with a lot of money, can send their children to these increasingly expensive private schools, leaving the children from other families inevitably feeling that they are different. And I think that creates prejudice on both sides, which isn't good for the children of either. But in it seems to have become money rather than class. I mean, I think when I was growing up it was still a class issue. Um my parents were poor, but they were, you know, they were clearly sort of middle class and educated. But nowadays it's money and that worries me a great deal because I think the means by which people make money are, are dubious and divisive um, and tend to breed a sense of superiority.
0: Mm. And and we're talking about um, the differences between uh, people in different schools, possibly different classes, different economic circumstances Do you think that dialogue has a role to play in in bringing people together more?
1: I was a former psychoanalyst, so I'm a great believer in conversation as a way of developing and learning. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think, I'm going to go back on my hobby horse, that the current educational system encourages dialogue. I mean, I was very shocked to talk to a a friend of mine who was um, my peer when I was at university, who now teaches in that same university, um, is in fact the head of his subject in that Cambridge college and says he spends the first year when he teaches students in teaching them how to think for themselves and have a dialogue with the subject that he's teaching them, which is English literature. So if our educational system requires people to absorb facts which are right or wrong, which is of course ridiculous when it comes to history or literature, or even science, actually, Mm. um, then people grow up with an idea that there is such a thing as a right or wrong opinion, as opposed to a right or wrong moral value. And I'm afraid that discourages conversation. I mean, when I grew up in both my primary school and my rather grand secondary school, we were encouraged to have a dialogue with our teachers. I mean, my primary school teachers were great. We interrogated poems. We interrogated you know, um, the weather. Uh, we interrogated works of art. Now it seems to be a matter of absorbing facts. So I think conversation is everything, mm-hmm. but conversation is something like everything else that has to be nurtured and acquired and celebrated and given space for.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you think we can find the space for more dialogue, more conversation?
1: I would overhaul overhaul the whole educational system. <laughs> I mean, that's a very big question. How we would do that? I mean, I think one way would be to encourage people of different generations to talk more to each other. I mean, I think one of the consequences of the referendum vote is we can see how different age groups are really functioning in these so-called bubbles in which they don't understand the priorities or the concerns of age groups that are not theirs. So one thing I would do is have more school children go out into the community and have to do with old people who are living by themselves and are in need of of, of company of young people because mm. the old and the young actually often get on very well. But, you know, that isn't the kind of thing that's much encouraged in anything bar very progressive schools.
0: Mm. That brings us to the end of today's podcast. This recording was made in 2017, the 70th anniversary of Cumberland Lodge as an educational foundation. To find out more about the educational and charitable work of Cumberland Lodge in Windsor Great Park, go to cumberlandlodge.ac.uk.